I'm Dean Jackson. He's Joe Polish. And this is the I Love Marketing Podcast. It's Dean Jackson and Joe Polish, and we have a, uh, a friend and a special guest who's uh, going to be joining us uh, on this episode of I Love Marketing, and it's uh, Mr. Damon John, who most people know from Shark Tank. And uh, Damon, Very where are you at right exciting. now? Hey, what's happening, Joe? Dean, I am in New York, Empire State Building here, and uh, just hanging out. Thank you for having oh. me. Yeah, well, yeah, great to have you here. We've actually put episodes with Damon John in the past on I Love Marketing, and this is going to be a full episode talking about uh, what he's been up to, including a new book that he has coming out called The Power of Broke. And typically I would, you know, share a regular bio, but I actually want to read something that is listed on the Amazon page, and then we're going to get into some questions uh, with Damon that will be incredibly helpful and useful to all of our uh, listeners. So let me read this. Uh, Damon John has been practicing the power of broke ever since he started selling his home-sewn T-shirts on the streets of Queens. With no funding and a $40 budget, Damon had to come up with an out-of-the-box ways uh, to promote his products. Luckily, desperation breeds innovation, and so he hatched an idea for a creative campaign that eventually launched the FUBU brand into a $6 billion uh, global phenomena, but it might have not happened if he hadn't started out broke with nothing but a heart full of hope and a ferocious drive to succeed by any means possible. Here, the FUBU founder and star of ABC Shark Tank shows that far from being a liability, broke can actually be your greatest competitive advantage as an entrepreneur. Why? Because starting a business from broke forces you to think more creatively. It forces you to use your resources more efficiently. It forces you to connect with your customers more authentically and market your ideas more imaginatively. It forces you to be true to yourself, stay laser focused on your goals, and come up with those innovative solutions required to make a meaningful mark. Drawing from his own experiences as an entrepreneur and branding consultant, peek behind the scenes from the set of Shark Tank and stories of dozens of entrepreneurs who have hustled their way to wealth. John shows you how you can leverage the power of broke to phenomenal success. You'll meet Steve, Steve Aoki, uh, the electronic dance musician DJ who managed to parlay a series of $100 gigs into becoming a global superstar who has redefined the music industry. Gigi Butler, a cleaning lady from Nashville who built a cupcake empire on the back of a family recipe, her maxed out credit cards and a heaping dose of faith, and 11-year-old Shark Tank guest Mo Bridges, who stitched together a winning clothing line with just his grandmother's sewing machine, a stash of loose fabric, and his unique sartorial flair. When your back is up against the wall, your bank account is empty, and creativity and passion are the only resources you can afford, success is your only option. Here you'll learn how to tap into the power of broke to scrape, hustle, and dream your way to the top. And, you know, I want to actually read this book immediately because what's kind of funny is we haven't read it yet because the book hasn't come out yet at the time that right. we're 
we're we're doing this, so I, I can't wait to read this book, Damon. So let's uh, let's get into it and talk about uh, this book and everything else you're up to, and just give all of our I Love Marketing listeners some, you know, great uh, you know how to so that they can you know build and grow their their bigger futures. So uh, well, I'm ready, man. I'm you know thank you for having me because obviously you know that that's what you know you've exercised the power broke. I know your story quite well. I don't know if everybody else does, but uh, you know that's that's the reason why people follow you because you know they may not have a jillion dollars and they need to know how to empower themselves. So you know you give them the mindset. So my mother used to always say, you know, uh, you know, being broke is temporary, but poverty of the mind is permanent. And you know, I'm not sure where she got that quote and who told her that, but it's it's this. It's this uh this thinking of that we grew up on because the media has told us many years or well there's television shows that you need money to make money or you need this huge uh, expensive education or you need to know somebody but you know I don't believe that's true if, if over 50% of the the top richest people in the world came from nothing then that means they were broke and if it was you need money to make money then the top 100% of uh, the people in this world the Forbes 1000 the Inc 1000 they should have all been rich and remain rich. It's the power of broke. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. You know, you said something that, that, that reminded me a, a lot of, of that whole saying, you know, you need money to make money, and it's not who you know, it's what you know, that sort of stuff, uh, which to a certain degree, we can always point to things where that's helpful. But I can point to a bazillion examples where if you give somebody money that is literally not a strategic thinker, uh, going in, into it really not knowing what they're doing, what happens is having money becomes a disadvantage because they can be incredibly promiscuous with money, especially if it's not their own. And I've seen people blow through money and in the process, blow through relationships and hurt people along the way. And, you know, like you uh, have written here in, in, in what I wrote, you know, necessity is the, the mother of, in, of invention. And we've all been through that process. Uh, most people that listen to this podcast uh, know my story. I started out as a dead broke carpet cleaner, living off credit cards. I learned marketing, never thinking I would be doing, you know, one of the top marketing podcasts in the world. Uh, or teaching people marketing or writing courses or doing seminars or running Genius Network. I mean, I just needed to get jobs. And being in that position, literally, I was hungry. And given the choice of uh, starving or eating, I wanted to eat. And so in that position, I, you know, I, I, I did certain things. And I know Dean has very much a similar story starting out as a, a broke real estate agent in, in Canada. And so, yeah, I mean, so I guess, Damon, I, I want to mention this, uh, you know, before I ask you the first uh, question. I just want to mention that I think talking to you, because we've done a couple of interviews, you've spoken at Genius Network events, we've become friends, we've known, we first met each other in 2012, I came to your office where you're at right now in the Empire State Building in New York, which is super mm-hmm. cool where you're located. Uh, you have literally sat with probably thousands of people being on Shark Tank, uh, people pitching their ideas, uh, seeing you know all kinds of, of, of excited entrepreneurs, and not only listening to their ideas, but directing them, funding what you think is best. So you have such a unique perspective that most human beings never have. So I think, you know, listening to you and reading your latest book, because you've written a couple of books in the past, Display of Power, The Brand Within, uh, you know, I'm, I think it's super cool that you have written The Power of Broke and are taking this whole 
you know, this whole mindset and, and sharing it with other people because there's very few people that have the, the business knowledge that you have. So having said that, what, what is the big idea, concept, and message behind the book and that you're conveying in the book? Yeah, so the big idea in the message is, first of all, in this book, it's not just myself. I, I basically interview and tell the story uh, of, of various different people in all different walks of life. So, you know, so so for those who may think the power broke is my rise to what we may call success or the fact that I have the secret sauce, it's not. I, I interview people such as uh, Mark Burnett, the fame uh, reality producer, um, Steve Aoki, as you said, the EDM DJ, uh, Kevin Plank from Under Armour. The man is, you know, probably his, his business is going to do three or four billion this year. And, you know, he took on or is still currently taking on Nike, Adidas, Reebok when they said that nobody can come into this market and do such as things that, such as that. Uh, Rob Durdak, the 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 skateboarder who now has a, a lot of intellectual properties and and shows on television and so the, the concept of the book is the fact that you look at all these people and many more and in in various different fields of expertise and they've all risen to the top through exercising a certain amount of uh, strategies and disciplines and and you'll find that they all will have basically the same different uh, uh, concepts and disciplines, they just took different paths to get to to where they are. And I don't want to just make it a you-can-win type of story, so at the end of every chapter, I, I clearly leave things for, for people to learn from at the end of the entire book. I try to give everybody a breakdown on step-by-step -step what needs to happen, the exact uh, precise steps you need to take to go out there and keep this mindset and acquire this mindset. The also, what I try to do in there is, this is not just for people who may not have resources. This is for the people out there who uh, are now running a successful company or moving on to successful companies because those are the people that remain successful. I made my biggest and most costly mistakes once I had millions of dollars and 200 employees working for me and money to spend on advertising and marketing. And those were the times where I made the most crippling mistakes. So this is for the people out there who want to get somewhere. And these are for the, this is for the people out there who also are uh, operating their businesses and they're in this new digital space or this place and time where things are changing so fast that they need to go back to the fundamentals and remind them what got them here. Well, you know, that, that, you know for me, Damon, go, when you no, were go saying, ahead, your mom you know, said being broke is temporary. And it struck me that, you know, having for people who are coming from that position where, you know, being broke is temporary and thinking often that if I just had money, that would solve my problems. But it seems like for those people, we've seen it so many times that if you get money without having solved the problem that got you in the broke situation in the first place, having money is a temporary situation too. Having money is absolutely a temporary situation. Yeah. <laughs> the thoughts that got you to, uh, you know, that didn't, that kept you from the money are the ones that are going to make you uh, lose it. Too. Yeah. I mean, let's look at the pro Let's look at a prime example. A kid goes through school for a period of time. They teach him how to read every single playbook in the world. He is the best physical specimen that, that you can ever have because he's in the gym every single day. And then all of a sudden, he's 20 years old getting $2 million checks you know, every month. 
Um, you know, his career, you know, lasts a good fair amount of time. Let's say 10 years. He goes through, you know, a after a hundred and something million dollars, three years outside the league, he's filing bankruptcy. Now you may think this is one time situation, but this is over 70% of professional athletes are physically broke three years, uh, outside of the league. Now, why is that? Because it's not that the kid intentionally took a shortcut in life, but he went from being the best physical specimen in his life. He's not a person who managed money. So they go out there and they spend the money because they never made mistakes that they can recover from because their job was to catch a ball or to throw a ball or do whatever they did. And because they don't have a lack of financial intelligence, because they think money can cure it all, they go out and spend it. And once they spend it, they can't recover from it. So, I mean, We've seen this with a lot of winners. We've seen it with kids, you know, uh, who are athletes. We see it in our personal life. You know, if you ever go out there and you are a, a guy or a girl and you go out there and start a relationship, let's say I'm a guy and I, I love this beautiful lady and, and the day I meet her, I take her shopping. And after that, we're always going to find restaurants and I buy her clothes all the time and things of that nature. When the money's gone in a year, do you think she still will be there? I, I doubt it. I mean, you know. The, the the relationship was built off of money. It wasn't built off of trust, effort, energy, failure, setbacks, uh, things of that nature. The same thing with a woman. You know, you go and meet a guy, and every day you're in six-inch heels, and your makeup is great and all, this, all that stuff, and that goes on for six months. But the day that, you know, you, you end up, unfortunately, being sick because you're human, and you're not looking that great, and, you know, a lot of things aren't going on. He's going, hey, where's where's all that stuff you had around you, all that shiny stuff? It's really about no shortcuts. It's about just, there's nothing in life that I believe that money can actually buy for you because of, um, you know, because it's going to make you better. I believe money is an afterthought, and I know that because I've experienced it. Then, no, that's, that's, that's very interesting. I mean, what, uh, and, and true, what you said in the beginning is this the thing of all the different people that are interviewed and profiled in the book. Uh, what they have in common is the same concepts and discipline, and that you'll you teach people not only how to acquire the mindset but how to keep the mindset and doing it on a regular basis, which is why what you're you know what you're basically teaching people in the book is how to not only become successful but remain successful. And I also like that you mentioned that you made your most, use the word crippling mistakes after you had uh, money, because once you can raise up really high and financially can prop you to a certain place, but there's a huge difference between making money and managing money. And anyone that has been in business for a long period of time learns that. And most people uh, don't learn it in advance. They usually learn it by very painful, <laughs> painful ways. <laughs> and so what what I wanted to, to ask you uh, about that is, how would you define the way that you describe mindset? What does, you know, to Damon John, what does mindset mean? And why is it so important? Yeah, great question. So, so the power of broke mindset is this. Uh, number one, you know, when you look at a, a project or you look at a, a, a way or direction you want to go in business, you have to really come up with a, a formula of three things that I've highlighted. Number one, is there a passion about this product that, and or company or brand that you have? Do, do you 
are you doing it because you have a true love and need? You see a need in the market. You want to change somebody's life, or do you, are you doing it because you want to make money? Now, once you understand that you're doing it for a passion, you highlighted the purpose and the passion, then you start to do your homework on what do I need to surround myself with to get this out to market or to people, the vehicle. What are my assets? Because of course your assets feed you and your liabilities eat you. Now your assets don't have to be physical things. Your assets could be the way you think, where you live, the people around you, the education you take, the education you don't want to take. Your liabilities can be the same thing. The fact that you have the wrong people around you advising you, the fact that you know you think you can buy this education by saying, you know what, I want to learn online marketing, so let me go and hire an online marketing company. Don't hire an online marketing company. Start to learn the process yourself because even if it works, what did that person do to get it out there? And if it doesn't work, you're already a step back and you don't know how to recover. And then the third and most important besides all of that is the product and or the thing that you're going to go to market and how you're going to zig instead of zagging when everybody, when everybody else is. You're going to think outside the market. You're not going to go and put yourself into the one space where everybody's at. We all know blue, blue ocean strategies or or any of those things that show you you know don't go into a crowded space because I don't care how much money you have you cannot compete with the big boys and girls who will drown you you have to create a following and how are you going to do that so those are the those are the couple of things that you're going to need to do to um, to exercise the power broke but more importantly an entrepreneur's mindset is this they take affordable steps they learn and then they repeat and they keep doing that till they get to be perfect in what they're doing. And yeah, that's what I we love that's really. So, so how would you that, po- go ahead, Dean? Go ahead, Joe. No, I was just going to say Dean. those words affordable steps. That's I've never heard it put like that before, but I often see people come and they've got a product or a service that could serve such a huge market, but they don't have the capacity to go out to that whole market right now. And I often advise them to, you know, pick a local, pick a market where they can, um, you know, have an impact where they can afford to, to start, because if they're going to, you know, cure all of the problem that their, their product does in the world, they can certainly start with all of the, all the people in Winter Haven, Florida that have that problem. And that makes it much more affordable for people. Very interesting. Yeah. And absolutely. I mean, we, we see, and why is it easier now than ever before? Because, you know, you know, when I started, I, 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 I went after the people that I could approach, and those are the local kids in the community. And I started mm-hmm. to get their their feedback, and those were the kids in Queens, you know, Queens, New York. I kept dressing as many as I could, and then the kids from Brooklyn would come and say, "Let me buy a shirt." Hey, I'm the Fubu guy, the Fubu girl in Brooklyn, and then the Fubu people, uh, you know, would people who would come from Maryland and D.C. And I started to create this army that I couldn't have paid for because they started to speak for me and then it started to blossom. But I worked on those people just from the kids in Queens. Now, people always say, well, how did you get LL Cool J? Well, he lived in the neighborhood. I didn't know him that well. But if I would have just went up and knocked on LL's door, he would have thrown me down the stairs. But when I went up to, by the time I went up to him, 50 people in Queens said, oh, my God, you got to see this guy. 
this guy is yeah. the truth. And, and LL Cool J was more like, well, you know what? I'm a rapper and I speak, uh, you know, about all the hip things. And wow, the hip thing in, uh, in the rap world is right around the corner from me. So it's a win-win for me because now there was a community co-signing on me. Now, at that time, truthfully, you would have gave me a million dollars. I wouldn't address anybody in the world. I would have went over to LL Cool J's house and I would have gave him a million dollars to do a commercial. And there would have been one commercial. Those other 50 people or 500 people wouldn't have been out there speaking. LL would have taken the money. He would have done one commercial, and then that would have been it. He would have never wore it again. And I still would have been broke. Yeah, that's – see, there you go. That was the whole thing about money. Yeah, he would have been – it would have been an external motivation. That's the whole uh, – that, that's really pretty cool because you had to build something. The reason that FUBU, it seems, in the story – really took off is because it was growing from people's internal passion for it, not because you spend a lot of money on a marketing program to, to get the brand out there. A hundred percent. I mean, you will get to the point, the business will call you and it may, uh, you may get to a point where you are ready for investors, financial institutions, mm-hmm. things of that nature. But if you don't create the the following or, or you don't create this drive, you are basically, you know, putting this thing on steroids. It's a superficial high. So whether you're a kid in, in Harvard who wants to put a couple of people in Harvard on this one platform called Facebook, you just want a couple of friends and then you, mm-hmm. then you slowly move into Ivy League and then you move into, you know, whatever the case is. And now you got 1.2 billion friends. You started off with a desire to put just all these kids at Harvard on your yeah. Facebook. Yes. There's yeah, so you know many what? examples of that, too. Yeah, and what I was going to say, uh, you know, Damon, one of the main things that we teach on I Love Marketing, you, you've maybe heard me talk about this, but um, we have um, a report that is a free report on uh, I Love Marketing. It's called Breakthrough uh, DNA. And Basically, it doesn't sell anything. It's literally just the eight profit activators that me and Dean uh, talk about on episodes of, of I Love Marketing. And it's all built around uh, this model that Dean created called before, during, and after. So there's the we look at all businesses as having three different units. The before unit, which is what do you do to you know, generate a lead, a customer, a, a prospect. And once you start interacting with a the person, there's the, the during unit. What do you do? Um, during the interaction if someone if you're like a real estate agent and someone's uh you know you're doing a tour of a home they're in the during unit and then after somebody buys something from you and gives you money then they're in the after unit so how do you you know develop repeat business and orchestrate referrals and so there's three stages of every business the before during and after unit and the very first um profit activator is select uh, a single target market. And so very similar to what you were saying of how you started FUBU and how you targeted something, layering on this mindset of the power of broke into this sort of thinking totally fits uh, extremely well. And what I'd like you to kind of talk about, Dean, for all of our listeners, is how would you take this, you know, the methodology of before, during, and after, and the eight profit activators, and layer it on what Damon's talking about right now, because I see it fitting in. Well, that's what I was fascinated when Damon was saying, like, uh, you know, starting out, you do what you can. of those words, affordable steps, because, you know, you can't afford to start 
a national or international fashion line, even though that's what some people think they really want to do, and that if I just had money, I could do that. But what, you know, what Damon was saying is starting out with what he could do right there in his neighborhood in Queens. And you know, if you're going to be the coolest fashion brand in the world, you've got to be the coolest fashion brand in Queens. First, right. and if you're going to be Oprah Winfrey, you're going to be the biggest TV show and star in the world. You got to start by being the biggest TV show in Chicago. And, you know you what? Know, um, you know what? You know what? Industry uh, practiced the power of broke for a long, long time. The record industry, uh, because mm-hmm. we all know. You know, Bruce Springsteen is from Jersey, Billy Joel's from Long Island, Biggie Smalls is from Brooklyn, and wherever it is. But if you couldn't become an artist and be a superstar in your town, don't even try to talk to the record label. Because the record label wanted to know that your acid test was the fact that the people right next door to you, the place where you live, that they want to scream and shout over, you know, who you are. And then that would go on to an artist and that would, that would follow that artist with the history of their career. Uh, so whether it's Bob Marley from Jamaica or anybody else, they always talked about their local and their, their, their hometowns because they want, if you're not a hometown hero, then why should I respect you anyplace else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's fascinating. So that put new, uh, thanks for sharing that because that gave me a new distinction, affordable steps that just layers on top of our, um, you know, our concept of choosing a target market that you can dominate. And, you know, it's easier to dominate Queens than it is to dominate all of the United States. Right. But, and then, you know, as you guys obviously so eloquently put it, the three stages, you know, when you get to the second stage and you're actually within the business, I mean, what do you think is better? You know, uh, you know, when you go out there and you can, you know, pay all these individuals and you start paying people because you don't think you need to learn anymore. I think the power of broke mentality is more, uh, needed then because you want to see, who on your team passes the acid test? Who cracks under pressure? Who jumps ships? Who takes advantage of you? Or who has your back? Who's a problem solver or who's a problem starter? You know, tough times reveal your team's character. But if you go out there and say, oh, guys, oh, make as many mistakes you want. I have more money. I have more money. Let's buy right. this. Let's buy this. Let's buy this. Your team, honestly, to tell you the truth, you know, business is all very simple. It's sell more or reduce your costs, right? And all of our employees are somebody who is a salesperson and customer service. That's who everybody is. But, but an employee's number one job, you know who their number one job is to sell? The number one target? The boss, you. Employees are not going to go there and tell you, oh, you know what, give me less money because I think we should do this a certain way. They're not going to say it. They're going to say, give me more money. Oh, blame sales over there. Well, blame marketing, blame design. No, no, no. Start with you. How did you solve this problem? How are you going to solve this problem? Yes, we're going to have setbacks. No problem. But how are we going to solve this problem? And money a lot of times can and will, you know, camouflage mistakes and players in your, on your team, you know? You know, <laughs> totally. Robert Rodriguez, the, uh, the filmmaker Robert Rodriguez, he, yep. did, um, he made a movie um, 
you know, his first movie, El Mariachi, he made for $7,500 by, you know, he raised the money by checking into a research hospital and doing some, uh, you know, <laughs> tests and stuff on him. And he took the money and made his first uh, movie and took that out to, to Hollywood. But this whole idea, he's a big um, proponent of this thinking broke like that. Like he, you know, you got a way you can, he, he'll say you can solve a problem two ways. You could solve it with money, just, you know, put the money hose on it, or you can solve it with creativity. And that's always better to solve the problem with creativity and less expensive, you know? Very, Absolutely. that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so the question is, you know, why do you think the power of broke works so well to increase creativity and innovation compared to having uh, large sums of money to work with? I mean, you've already spoken to that, but I'd like you to maybe go deeper with it because I think the, the the biggest thing is there's probably a lot of people that are listening. They're like, wow, you know, I've never really heard it this way. I mean, I think I need to go invest and get investors money and I need to get partners and stuff. And what you're really saying is you just like literally need to learn what to do first before you just start going out and and using, you know, money or the concept of it as a crutch. Yeah, correct. I think that, I think that there are several reasons why it's invaluable to, to uh, exercise the power broke first. Uh, So first of all, you know, when you don't have any money, you don't have any choice. You have to put your back up against the wall, and you're going to have to get it done. Now, the power of broke brings out your own character first. Number one, are you really passionate about what you're doing? You know, if you don't have any money and you can't foresee money ever happening, why are you still doing it? I think it's because you really love it. You know, I ran out of money uh, three separate times with FUBU. So I closed it down from 89 to 92, three separate times. I ran out of only though, $2,000, $3,000, but I couldn't get that thing off my mind. And every time I saw somebody out there wearing one shirt that I sold them, it was, it brought me the greatest joy. And I would address people for the rest of my life for free. And that insight came purely because of the power broke because the business was generally dead. It was gone. Why go back into it? It's almost like visiting an old, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend, or, you know, there's nothing there. But I couldn't get over my mind. I was obsessed. So, so one thing it does is it makes you really uh, decide if this is for you and where you want to go because you can't, you can't, you just can't even sleep at night without thinking about this area, number one. And number two is you make your mistakes small. You know, the funny thing is Mike Tyson, uh, I love to use his quote. He always used to say, everybody has a plan until they get in their ring and they get punched in the face. Right. Now, <laughs> you know, when we got our, when we have our $50,000 loan that we took from the bank and we know 10000 to build, 10000 to uh, operate the store, 10000 for staff, 10000 for inventory. Oh, we got it all planned out. We allocated the $50,000 to a T. And if we only sell X amount of dollars, no problem. Like, you know, there's not going to be gas shortages, competition, inventory that uh, came in, you know, messed up, a kid who's stealing half your stuff, uh, you know, a recession. If we only sell this amount, we will no problem be millionaires within six months. That's your plan. But the reality is life starts to punch you in the face. Now, if you operate a business with 2,000, 4,000, you get a couple of jabs in the face, 
you're okay. By the time you get to that point where you're doing big business, you're faced with a punching bag. But what you did was you learned what not to do. You're not the person who comes in the ring who, who didn't fight, you know, a bunch, didn't fight, you know, at all. And then Mike Tyson punches you in the face. Then you have a problem. So it gives you this rejection muscle that you start to understand that you're not making your mistakes big, you're making them small, and you learn from those little mistakes because the day you want to take out the $50,000, $100,000, $200,000 loan, you don't want to make those mistakes because you won't recover from them. I was able to recover from a $2,000 uh, you know, bill on my credit card, but if I would have taken out that $100,000 that I ended up taking out seven years later, if I would have taken that out, I would have ruined my credit, I would have ruined my reputation with my friends, and I would have had absolutely no business. So, so that's what it makes you do. It makes you, it makes you uh, think outside the box and, and learn these mistakes. And those are two of the most valuable things that it really does for you. And it also helps you create a team of like-minded people that are not getting paid to be yes men and yes women. They're coming around because they believe in something. You have something that they believe in. You know what you just said there, that last part is, I, I want to highlight that because it is so critical. And when when you get to a certain level of status or fame or financial success, you end up attracting people that want to ride that wave. But when there is no wave, then you're really dealing with reality because uh, a lot of it is a, is a fantasy land. And if you're one of those individuals that you know, just comes right, you know, it kind of goes back to lottery winners. I mean, the average lottery winner uh, that wins, you know, millions of dollars within a two-year period, statistically, not only has lost all the money, but is deeper in debt than they were before they won the lottery. Because giving money to somebody that has not developed either the skills or a strategy in order to acquire it doesn't know what the hell they're doing. And they they create they not only lose it all but they blow up and leave shrapnel everywhere. They hurt people, you know, in the process. Exactly. Not intentionally, but it's they and they attract all kinds of people. Um, God, what was that story about the guy that won the lottery? Um, he 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 won a oh man. I mean, we can find it online, but he won millions of dollars. And what he ended up doing is he really thought, okay, what's going to happen tomorrow? when I now have all of this money. So he ended up calling a bunch of relatives and friends and asked them if he could have like a $10,000 loan. And before any of them knew he won this money, and mm -hmm. most of the people said no. And the couple said yes. And so at that point, once he cashed in the lottery ticket, he knew that once everyone was going to try to hit him up, he knew the people that really would have been there for him had he been in that position. And he, he literally protected himself from the onslaught of hanger-ons that would immediately come on to play. Uh, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting illustration to what you said about all the yes people, because uh, I mean, the type, the type of people that come into my world today and the Facebook messages that I get every day, would you fund this? Will you support this? Will you do that? You know, it's just like, you know, man, uh, wh what do you do with it all? In the power broke mindset. We've got our own little great, shark tank going over here. Yeah, it's, 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 a, great, it's a great insulator from, from that level of nonsense that, 
that comes into your life and, and keeps things. Well, I, uh, I think I think it uh, insulated in, in a couple of different ways. You also, like you just said, you know, listen, there's people out there who will all of a sudden be your friend, but even when you want to invest in people, I know Joe and I know Dean, you guys are the same way, especially when I want Shark Tank, it's the same thing. When somebody wants me to invest in their business and I see that they won't even do the things that I would do because I went through it. I got punched in my face a bunch of times. If I see they're not even wanting to do that, I immediately shut off. Because I know what I've been through to get where I am today, and I can highlight other people, and they better be they better be people who are problem solvers. They work harder than me. They're in the office in the beginning of the day. They're at the office at the end. They're constantly doing their homework and researching. So you start to be, you start to be able to highlight other people and other people who have the same way of thinking as you. Other people who are great strategic partners, great partners, and you start to highlight the other people you want to be around. And I hate to bring this other part up that to get the people who are yesers and all that kind of people, all those type of people, you know, yes men and yes women, the con men and the con women in this world, they're working twice as hard to get your money as you are to make it. So you're not, gonna, you're not even going to see them coming, the ones who actually have bad intentions. Right. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, uh, th- uh, th- there, there's, a, there's so much to be said in the lessons here. I want to ask you this question because it, 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 what you just said makes me think about it. With the power of broke mindset, how do you say yes and how do you say no? Meaning, what do you say yes to? What do you say no to? Because in, in your particular situation, Damon, you know, being on Shark Tank, you're constantly having people that are pitching and they're wanting to present their idea and they want you to fund their their existing business or their dream and and looking to you or one of the other sharks to help make it a reality and you're a guy who has more you know opportunities thrown at you probably by 8 a.m. every day than most people get in their entire lifetime uh, how, how have you developed the filtering mechanism of what to say yes and what to say no to, and how does the book teach people, you know, how to make decisions? Uh, great. So, you know, so let's look at the decision I have to make when somebody stands up in front of me. So I have to look at, and I have to tap into my power broken goal. Let me look at the formula here. Number one, has this person failed more than they succeeded? What did they learn from those failures? Number one, that they will never take no for an answer, and no is an absolute maybe. Number two is that they failed, so that various different times. So if there were 10 courses or 10 roads to go down, they know these eight aren't the roads to go down because they've already tried it and they have failed at it. So they know these two are the magic roads that something's going to happen there. you know. And number three, did they have the discipline? And did they have the courage to keep moving on through that? So that's about the person itself. Then I look at the 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 business model or the idea, whatever the case may be. You know, is it scalable? Because when I looked at uh, all these businesses that I have, if I don't see a scalability in it, and if you're operating the power of broke, it's just like that. If you don't, if you're trying to service a sub segment of a market of another market of another market and you have to be seven steps away from the money you have to create something to then sell it to somebody else to hopefully get it to somebody else to hopefully get it to somebody else and before you know it, you're so, you, there's only 500 customers around the world unless you're selling something for 10 billion dollars you probably won't be successful let's look at the scalability of the company and then finally 
you know, uh, you know, where is the proof of concept? Don't give me an idea. I need to know that you went out there and you made some form of sales. Now, what can sales be? Sales can be you have an item for a dollar and you go outside and you sold 50 of them in, 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 in 30 minutes. That's huge to me. Or it could be you create a video on your iPhone uh, asking people, you know, do, do they like this or, or something stupid and you've you got 10 million views. Or you know what, 100,000 views. Or you open up a certain Twitter account and you're a mompreneur and you're sharing with mothers other stories, but you have 5,000, 10,000 people that religiously support you. Proof of concept doesn't have to be you sold a million dollars tomorrow. So those are my, those are my levels of how I look at a person that's pitching me. Then the final uh, decision I have to make is in myself. Do I love this product and or feel that there's a need for it? Will I be excited about it and work on it every day? And will I do my homework on this because I, I know it needs to be out of the market? And when I see all those things, that's when I go, this is something for me. And even then, it's a small chance of it being a success. And I know that, but I'm happy to take that route with that person. Mm-hmm. No, I love it. I love it. Um, so, yeah, some of the things God, we can you know, spend an hour on each one of these subjects. Is it scalable? Have I gone through the roads before the proof of concept? Um, and, you know, will I, will I work on it every day? When you, when you encounter uh, all these different ideas and all these different entrepreneurs, do you bet on the jockey versus betting on the horse, or, or how do you think about that—the idea versus the person behind the idea? Because um, for my, you know, just to be you know open, I always think of it's the individual behind the product, the service, the idea, the concept, than it is the the thing. I mean, what what are your thoughts about it? Yeah, you know, by far, you know. Um, the jockey I've been on. That's why I said, you know, the first thing I look for is the person because, mm-hmm. you know, every business we're not going to be successful or get an A on our report card. And the worst scenario is the fact that me and this person uh, will create a relationship where we're going to do something else or that this this business that we have tried and or hope to be the best at is just the opening to something big, something huge. You know, when you have a partner or you're investing in somebody, it, it is like a marriage. You may talk to this person, especially in the same office, you know, eight hours a day for, you know, 200 and some, some odd days a, a year. You're probably with them more than you're with your family. So, you know, you have to know that you re- you're ready to invest in this person and this person has your back. So having the power broke, you don't just hire people because when I picked the people that were around me at first and they picked me as well, it was purely because we had, a mindset and a way and a common goal in mind, and we all agreed, and we all uh, you know worked as a team. Mm-hmm. That's so right. funny because I've seen you on Shark Tank even walk away from or, or go out on a deal where even though it may have been a good deal, the, the person you've even said it, I just that that would drive me crazy to deal with that person and you make the decision to go out just because you don't want to take their call every day. You know, you know, it's funny, you know, who operates the power broke every single day and they don't realize it. Well, many who operate the power broke every single day, parents, 
Mothers. Mm. You know, mothers to me are the ultimate entrepreneur. I don't care how many children books you read and how many shrinks you go to and who gives you advice. When you have a baby and we all have children, you know, a lot of us have children out there. There's no blueprint to how this, uh, how you're going to raise this child in the course that life is going to present you. But we have to figure it out. Yeah, okay, maybe you are a parent who uh, hires a bunch of nannies in great schools and you're flying around on the private jet. When you come back, you know, those are, those are that, that, that uh, you know, uh, over 60% of the kids that had money that now don't have it and they're no longer on the Forbes 1000 because they, you didn't go through the power broke. You didn't do it, you know, every single day, personal care, affordable steps, learn, you know, and then act and then repeat. And, um, you know, mom, moms and mompreneurs, they are the ultimate startup. They operate the power broke every single day. So, you know, it's the same way with your business. Your business is like your baby, your child, you know, they go to the ear doctor or the, you know, the emergency room three times a, a month because they have an earache at four o'clock in the morning. You know, you don't give the child up for adoption. Well, Kevin O'Leary probably <laughs> would, but you know, most of us wouldn't give the child up for adoption. You figure it out. And that's what a business is. That's what the power broke is. You know, if we had to just put it in a, in a simple way. No, that's a, that's a great point though. I mean, you're, uh, I, 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 lo- I love that analogy. So, so how, how do you deal uh, with uh, or transform setbacks and failures into into growth and success. I imagine the book is filled with with that, and I'd like to kind of hear your perspective on it. Yeah, so so yeah, great question. So when you when you when you learn a lesson and you have to go back and sit and 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 analyze what happened, it's kind of like in the which you guys know all too well the copy game. You know, you 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 putting together. 10 different ads with the same objective in mind. And you're, you know, back in the days, you used to put them out on newspapers, but maybe today we're putting them out on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, all social media. And you are learning why this copy is working better than the next. And when I went out, you know, with a shirt, I would sell someone a kiosk. I would sell someone on, on, standing on the corner. I would go to video sets and sell some. I would go to clubs and sell some, and I would change the logos, change the names or how to do it, the colors and the sizes. And then I would start to learn where my customers were, what they wanted, and I would start to cut out. We know business is 80, 20, 20% of your customers, 80% of your business, and I started to cut the fat out, cut where I was wasting time. And when you start to do that, you start to put yourself and put your business in various categories. And so you put it in your marketing, you put it in branding, you put it in sales, you put it in distribution, product design, financing, you know, and and things of that nature. And then you start to scratch out what isn't working. And that's in the book, how you start to scratch out what isn't working and you start to come up with the best practices for your business. And everybody's not the same because... There's so many different markets. There's a super luxury market. There's a regular market. There is the the economy market. And there's so many different markets out there that you have to start seeing what works best for you. Yeah. That's so what, are, what are a few actionable, specific steps or habits that a, a, a business person or an entrepreneur listening to this can take action on now to, to grow, to innovate, and to, to make money? Okay, well, a couple will be number one, uh, you know, what is your, what is, can you put yourself in two to five words and your objective? Put yourself, first of all, in two to five words. 
Apple think different, Nike just do it, fool for us, buy us, white castle, what you crave, whatever the case may be, because you have to understand personally who you are and you have to be very honest with yourself and why you are uh, in business and what do you want to accomplish out of it. Because when you walk into a room or when you're on social media, if you don't understand what your two to five words are, what they stand for, then you leave it up to everybody else to interpret. They're your mission statement. Then put your mission statement in regards to your company. The next thing is you're going to then start to write down a set of goals. Timeline, what you want to hit, and how you're going to go about it, and what are you going to do uh, to repay those goals and acknowledge it. Because if you have a bunch of goals and markers that you're going to hit and there is no reward or is there, there is no way to repay it, you're never going to be satisfied. Then who is your team? Are they like-minded people? Now, you have two different levels of people in your team. You have, number one, it should be a mentor you should have. Go find a mentor, a local mentor. Somebody has no interest in your business at all. Also, no matter what, it's a two-way street. What are you doing for the mentor, for the mentor to mentor you? Because somebody who's operating a small business in a community for the last 20 years, they still went through competition, gas shortages, uh, recession, uh, everything. It, it takes the same mindset to run that business as it does to run Apple. So you need to go find a mentor. And what are you doing for the mentor? Okay, the mentor has money. Maybe you're not giving money to the mentor. Maybe the mentor loves to uh, uh, save animals. Well, then go say you're going to spend four hours at a dog pound every single you know, week to show your uh, appreciation for the mentor. And then the other side, part of the team is the like-minded team members around you, and you, know, you guys have a common goal. Then you're going to look at your assets and your liabilities in regards to your resources. So what are your resources? You know, what do you have in front of you? Can't, do you have, uh, are you a great-looking guy that has a good humor, or do you know a bunch of uh, you know, people who are part of a community? Are you, uh, you know, somebody who's a great designer? Um, what's your, you know, are you a great people person, or are you great in mathematics and strategics? You start to look at that, and then you look at your liabilities. And then you look at the product. What do we have? Because how are you going to get this? How are you going to create a communication around this product? that people are going to gravitate towards and how are you going to find these communities? And then you start going out to the communities. And I think that I have, a, I think I have 10 steps in the book, but those are approximately six of them. No, that's great. That's, awesome. that's fantastic. Uh, Dean, I've got more questions, but I want to give you an opportunity because I know you probably have. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at man, we could just talk forever, but <laughs> you know, the, the interesting thing, I was thinking about the assets, what you were um, saying there, one of the assets that, um, people can really have is is the um, proof of concept idea that they actually uh, can show that it that it works on a small scale and it, I mean even the smallest scale I think I think that's really um, you've amplified that for me here today and you know you realize if something's going to work on a big scale it's really it's going to work on a small scale too and treating that as the um, as the asset, you know, when you were talking about, um, the idea of making mistakes when you had money, that some of the biggest mistakes that you made were then what were, what are some of the things that, that you're kind of talking about there? Some of the traps that we can fall into by, by having 
not yeah, have absolutely that, uh, broke mindset. Hundred percent. So you know, we got to a certain point where you know we had um, several brands underneath the Fubu uh, umbrella, many clothing brands, and we wanted to diversify our portfolio. So we 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 saw that there was a company named Heatherette. These are two amazing designers, uh, two guys that were making things for uh, for women, and they were the talk of the town when. Um, Seventh uh, on Six, the big fashion show, Fashion Week in New York, came around. Everybody would model their clothes for free. Naomi Campbell, Tyra Banks, Kamara Lee Simmons. They would have these huge halls where uh, you know they would do their their fashion. Their fashion was super edgy. It's something like like a like a Cindy Lauper would would you know, is kind of like the face that that type of angle. And these two guys were brilliant. And I looked at this and I said, you know what? Marketing and branding is like a black hole when it comes to to uh, to anything. You know, you don't know where to spend the money necessarily, but you know what? These guys are all over the newspaper, the television show. Uh, Naomi Campbell, who would charge normally $100,000, $150,000 to walk the runway, walks for free. I said, so let me look at this as being 25 to 30% of my initial startup in this company is free. Nothing, no cost. We go and acquire the company. Now we bring the two guys in. I've never really created women's fashion. We're really good at men's fashion. Anytime we created women's fashion, it was a licensed product out to you know another company to understand women's fashion. So we go there and we find out now that because we're backing them, the fashion show was $250,000 each one, and there is two a year. Why? Because we couldn't go as FUBU to, you know, to the head of the fashion industry and say, oh, we need a break. But these guys, people loved them so much that prior to coming with us, they gave them everything for free because they were the sizzle and the buzz. So now that costs money. Now... We want the guys to go out and promote, so let's hire a staff. We hire people who have been in the fashion industry for years, but they're a little more mature. They're not millennials, and they start running the company. And then we do a little bit of advertising, B2B advertising. So what happens after three years of fashion shows at $250,000 a pop, two times a year? So right there you have, you know, a million dollars being spent. You have another million and a half in inventory. You have probably after three years, another million and a half in payroll. What we realized after that was this. Those guys who design at Richard Rich and Traveler Reigns, they are amazing costume designers. So they can put a woman like Tyra Banks, you know, they can take her behind, uh, you know, the screen at a fashion show and they can handcraft something and then put this beautiful hat on her head and spray paint her and put all this glitz on her and make her walk down the fashion show, fashion uh, runway. But nobody wants to buy that in the store. You need to make ready to wear clothes in the store, but that's not their level of expertise. Right. Yeah. So, so now you have them, you know, and they never said they were experts at that. But what did we do? Because I don't know how to sew women's clothes and I never took some time and rolled up my sleeve and went into their office. The other individuals who were uh, running the company for us, they really didn't know what the millennials like. These people were great at making maybe denim, but not dresses. But we had these high priced salaries. And before you know it, I'm out of six million dollars. And it hurt. Wow. You know, I don't yeah. care what level you're at. Spending six million dollars, and more importantly, spending three years of my life was probably the biggest loss. Because if I looked at that and I was starting something else new, I could have probably been more profitable. So it's almost like getting a fine artist 
to make a cartoon strip, you know, somebody who not, who's a sculptor or, or they make beautiful paintings and say, hey, make me a comic book. And they go, that's not what I do. But we try to force that, you know, you know, square peg into a round hole when we bought Heather because I didn't roll up my sleeves and go in there and sit in the business and go, this is wrong. This is right. This is wrong. This is right. I thought I was paying everybody $6 million later. It's gone. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's wild. great. Thanks for sharing that because that's something uh, I think even on, on at any level, people can relate to that. Very cool. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know how yeah. cool that is, but uh, you know what? No, I mean, the lesson, I, yeah. <laughs> no, no, not, not great that you blew yeah, up. Like yeah. <laughs> how cool is that that you lost $6 million? Way to Let's go. celebrate. Yeah. 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 Well, but no, but here's, I learned my lesson. And at the end of the day, I learned my lesson, and I don't, I don't do that anymore. I will start off any company, if it's not an acquisition, I will start off a company at my level, I will start it off with. $5,000, I will not go out right. and do that again. Well, here's one, one of the things that, because I've thought a lot, I mean, we've all been asked, you know, what's the secret of success and how do you do this and how do you do that? And uh, people are trying to, to learn um, all kinds of stuff all the time. And I, I think unlearning is far more important than learning in many cases. And I think your not-to-do list is more important than your to-do list. And I have, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, opinions uh, and a lot of uh, philosophies and a lot of strategies and things that I use utilize uh, in my business and in my personal life that came through a lot of uh, a lot of effort and what one of the things that I believe is the very best uh, thing that I did uh, early on when I was uh, a dead broke uh, carpet cleaner I went thirty thousand dollars in debt on credit cards uh, and I really didn't know what the hell I was doing in the beginning, but I remember a quote from Anthony Greenback in uh, the book of survival where he said, and I'm not going to get it exactly right because I'm doing it off the top of my head, but he said, um, in order to uh, get through an impossible situation, you don't need the uh, mind of an Einstein, the reflexes of a Graham pre-driver or the muscles of a Hercules. You simply need to know what to do. And when you learn what to do and know how to do it, you can get through uh, pretty insane sort of situations. And when I didn't have money, what I did have was a hunger and a desire to actually learn what to do. And when someone takes their life experience and puts it into a book or puts it into a conversation and they start directing other entrepreneurs and they start teaching other people, uh, people really would be well served to pay attention to that. Because, I mean, you take your your book. What what is the retail cost of this book? Let me let me go to Amazon right now and even see what Amazon's selling it for. You can get the Kindle version if you pre-order it for thirteen dollars and ninety nine cents, or you can get the hardcover for seventeen seventy nine. And this is like how many years you've been in business, Damon? Um, you know, I've probably been in business now thirty years. Thirty years, and 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 out of all of your brands and everything, you've how many billions of dollars has has just your own companies generated? Uh, retail wise, I would say now probably about eight eight billion. Eight, eight billion, and out of the you know how many years you've been on Shark Tank? I've been on Shark Tank seven years, going on seven. Seven years, and you have literally advised, funded, uh, directed just millions 
of of people in business and have created numerous success stories. And you profiled some amazing people uh, in this book, and they can literally get this book for next to nothing. And th- and it's not about buying a book. Every everyone that's listening to this, you should immediately go and pre-order the book, The Power of Broken. If you're listening to this episode after it's already come out, you should buy the book. Uh, I mean, that's that's obviously a given. And I mean, if someone right. is not willing to do that, it, this is idiotic thinking. I mean, well, like, why wouldn't you do that? The, the bigger thing, though, is the person that actually understands the importance of why you would do that, and and why you want to get a roadmap of someone that has had enormous successes and has gone through a, a a lot of failure and has learned lessons and has laid it out and has taken the time to document this and create a blueprint. So that's one thing is one, read the book and get the book. The second thing is a lot of people that listen to I Love Marketing are authors and they're speakers and they're coaches or they want to be in that business. And what me and Dean have always done is we're like, you know, some of the best times to actually learn marketing is to watch someone when they're right in the middle of launching a business or a campaign. And so here you are, you got the book, The Power Broke, and we're doing this this podcast interview with you before it comes out, which means that you're a smart marketer. You work with our dear friend, Jay Abraham, who we've, we've interviewed on. I love marketing and you know, Jay's I've known Jay for many years. He's an amazing guy. And I know you and Jay are really great friends. And I've talked with Jay about the campaign and everything that you're doing. And I want to recommend to all of our, uh, I love marketing listeners that if you actually want to learn a lot about not only, you know, reading the book, but Damon is, you know, in the midst of launching this book. You should go watch what he's doing because uh, I'm I'm at the site right now, which is uh, powerbroke.com, and when you go there, uh, you literally can see uh, you can see what what it is you're doing. And I'd like you to to talk about some of the ways that you're positioning this right now because people literally can get all kinds of stuff if they pre-order the book, if they buy five books or if they buy 25 books or 50 books. I mean, there's, there's a whole series of things. And I'd like to actually talk about this because some of the people listening would probably want to, to, to get a copy of this book for, you know, anyone that, you know, is an entrepreneurial friend or family member, someone that they're like, wow, I know, I'm sure everyone listening could think of someone that would probably be well served to read this book that's either starting a business or in business. And so I want to talk about some of the marketing stuff that you're doing to market the book, The Power Broke, since we're on I Love Marketing. And a lot of people listen to this because they want to actually know how to market books and they want to know how to get their message out. And you're in the midst of doing that. So what are some of the the things, like to go backstage, what are some of the campaigns that you're actually doing right now uh, and you're offering people that want to support um, the power broke? Well, so so look, I think those are really good points you brought up. So of course we want to sell books, but I, I want to be very honest about it. You know, I authors have offered me you know ten times the amount. I mean, um, publishers have offered me ten times the amount of money to uh, talk about my history with uh, the Kardashians, Pitbull, uh, you know, Glitz Glamour, and 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 things that I guess the the public rather see. And I at no point was interested because the books that I want to write really are the ones to empower everyday people and I try to answer the most commonly asked questions of the thousands of people I met whether through Shark Tank or um, whether you know in, in my, my private life so the reason I put the book together is because if it changes one or two people and, and the next person to read this book becomes the next Dean or Joe or, 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 or Joe Polish or Damon John I don't even want you to be me be, become the next Steve Jobs I think that um, we will hopefully uh, you know do our job as entrepreneurs who've been blessed to pass this on. Now, 
I also want to make sure that people understand that my marketing through this book, I'm exercising the power broke as well. I would not be able to sit on a pedestal and try to tell you how to go out and market your new book or your product if you didn't see what I was doing. And I'm also learning as I go along. I, I, of course, ads will be purchased, but I'm personally calling up my friend Joe Polish, who you know I've I've tried to put a like-minded team around me and meet a Joe Polish or you know a Ryan Dice or 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 go after Jay Abraham six, seven years ago and say, hey man, I need you to mentor me. The same things that I'm talking about in the book when I was still on a public stage, but I said, I want to find people that are smarter than me. So I go out and I look for the Joe Polishes and the, the Joe, Jay Abrahams. Then I need proof of concept. So what do I do? I go, into, I go and look for a hundred ambassadors on Instagram and go on Twitter. And I go try to find them. I say, read my book, please. Tell me what you think. How can you become an ambassador? People may think 100 people to launch an entire book is very small. It's huge because these people are going to give me the real data that I need and tell me what they like, what they don't like. And then I'm going to go and do the normal things where we say, you know, you buy 4,000 books for your entire, you know, your staff and you give it to them, will that increase your bottom line by, you know, 1%, 2%, 20%? And if you do that, I'm going to come and I'm going to come to your company maybe and show up and talk to you guys. I'm, I'm willing to do that. If you buy five books, I'm going to give you content that I'm not going to give to everybody else. So I'm exercising the power of broke. None of those things I'm paying for, all those things are going to take more and more time out of my day. I'm going to sleep even less. So now instead of four hours, I'm sleeping three, but nobody else is going to do it like me. And I'm going to learn from the mistakes and I'm also going to get rewarded for the people that are going to tell me, wow, this worked. Hey, this didn't work. You should have done this. You should have done that. And I'm exercising the power broke getting it out there. So I thank you for even allowing me on the podcast. Cause I know you're, you're very busy and uh, you know, that's, that's basically the, the route that I'm taking by, by wanting to get a message out to people to hopefully change lives and to, to get it out the exact same way that I'm trying to recommend in the book. And, you know, and, and that's, that's where I'm at with it. And I'm very, very excited about this project. No, awesome, awesome. Are you, are, you, are you charging people to watch over your shoulder as you do this? Am I what? Or can they do it for free? Do what? Watch on what? Oh no, they can do it for free. Following me and all these David, we always joke about that. That when people talk about, you know, how we market something, we don't even charge for that. You can watch us do it for no, free. You, you can watch that all the day. After after yeah. you watch me, first of all, you're gonna be tired, or you're gonna say, "Listen, I need to, I need to be part of what this guy is doing because it's infectious." <laughs> No, no, exa- exactly. I mean, and, and it's like if you want to really learn how to, you know, how, how to market it, I mean, watch, watch an orchestrated marketing campaign because, see, what, what people don't realize, it's one thing about writing a book and putting it together. I mean, there's, most people don't do it because it requires an enormous amount of work. Secondly, the stuff that you have to do along the way in order to get, the, you know, it's like creating the product is one thing. People are, people are not going on Shark Tank because they're looking for a product. You know, I mean, people are right. going on there. They're right. like, "How the hell do we make money doing this?" You know, and so you know, here you have a whole system that's put together. So I want to, I want to recommend to our, our, our listeners to go to powerbroke.com. We, we will put links uh, on ilovemarketing.com. So anything that is related to uh, the launch of Power Broke uh, that we think you should take a look at and see. 
we'll go ahead and do that. And we'll also, uh, Damon has a couple of videos that you can also watch on powerbroke.com uh, that are related to this. And we will drip those out to our listeners uh, just as, as extra things that we think will be useful for everyone. And if, if you want to buy a bunch of books, I think, you know, at the beginning of the, the, the year, you know, an upcoming new year, this is like the perfect time to take this sort of mindset and utilize it in order to make next year, you know, in this upcoming year, your, your best year ever. And if you're someone that literally wants to offer something to your clients, to your friends, uh, that will be very beneficial to them, you know, pick up uh, copies of this book. I'm going to buy many copies for uh, my Genius Network members and things like that because I know it will be really helpful. And I haven't even read the book yet. I just know Damon, so I know it's going to be kick-ass, and I've already talked to Jay quite a bit about this. So I'm really excited about this, and, and I, I, it's, I'm really glad that we had an opportunity uh, to, to, do this, uh, to do this interview. And I do want to mention, because me and Dean get this all the time, you know, how do we, you know, how do, we do what you guys do? How do we start a podcast? How do we run seminars? How do we run, uh, you know, groups and events and consult with people and get paid to be an advisor? And, you know, Damon, your role is you literally are cherry picking, you know, who you want to do deals with. And you're in a position being on Shark Tank where you're advising all kinds of people. I mean, through Shopify and all of these organizations that reach out to you to to mentor entrepreneurs, to, to guide them. What I would like to, to, to remind people of is if you read The Power of Broke, you're getting one of the world's top advisors to entrepreneurs and small business owners, his methodologies and strategies. And one of the ways that you become a Damon John is you actually learn from a guy like Damon John. Uh, not saying that you're going to end up being you know, a, a host on Shark Tank, uh, but maybe you will one day or something similar to that. And this is the same route that I ended up becoming in in the world that I am. I just learned a lot. I read, a, you know, I've read over a thousand business books. I went to seminars, and one of the very best things that I did because when I was broke is I had to actually learn what to do. I had to go out and figure out what to do. And had I just had money, I probably wouldn't have been as motivated to read books or to go out because I, you know, I had to. And if you, if your business is is not succeeding, then there's something that you don't know what you're doing. And this may very well guide you on what to do and how to do it. And the most important thing is is a mindset. I mean, me and Dean say it all the time. Uh, we can teach people the best marketing strategies all day, all day long. And we do that for free on I Love Marketing. They don't, they don't need to pay us anything. We give them the best strategies. One thing that that is more important than that is understanding the importance of marketing. See, because most people undervalue how important and critical marketing is. It's the oxygen that that allows your business uh, to work. And so reading this book is just going to enhance your abilities uh, to do that. So Dean, before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to ask Damon before we, uh, we wrap up this episode or anything else you'd like to say? And then I'll say the same thing to you, Damon. Any uh, Any famous last words? Yeah, Damon, thank you. We appreciate you coming and, and sharing all this. I know that there's a lot of people that are going to be affected by the message. A lot of people are going to listen to this, and some of them it's just the message that they need to hear, that they maybe get discouraged, that they, they think of, of being broke as a, a detriment, and you're here you are talking about it as a competitive advantage. And uh, for $13 or $17, somebody can you know, figure out how to really activate the power and it's a superpower the way you describe it. So thank you so much. 
No, I appreciate it. You know, at the end of the day, you know, you, people see me on this public stage and they think that I may be smart or brilliant, and it's not, that's not the case. I'm The reason I write the book is I'm a conduit. I'm somebody that calls up Dean and, and Joe Polish when I need to know more about marketing or what they're doing today, because what they're doing today may not work tomorrow. The fundamentals will, but it's a whole new, different way that we're approaching business. You know, at the end of the day, you're never going to create anything new in this world. Again, the only difference is marketing, branding it, and uh, distribution and finding a different audience, right, and positioning of it. So, you know, as I do this and I write this book, you know, I find myself, uh, you know, thinking a certain way. Like, you know, when I remember when I read uh, Thinking Grow Rich, maybe for the 15th time, and it said in the beginning right. of the book, you may not get it today. You may not get it, whatever this word is, a hundred times in the book. I got that word the 15th time of reading it. That means I probably saw the word 1,500 times. Maybe this book is going to reinstate what you've already learned. Maybe this book is going to finally kick you in your butt when you've been hearing, you know, this theory for many years in different ways. But more importantly, what I like about Shark Tank and uh, the stage that I'm on, and I remember asking myself a question one day, why is Mark Cuban on Shark Tank? The guy has more money than, you know, than God, right? He has more TV <laughs> time than God, right? Why is he on Shark Tank all the time? And I remember him saying, it's one of the top shows watched from kids 5 to 15 years old. It's one of the top shows watched with parents and kids together. And the family we show, are, yeah. It's a family show. And when you see a 6-year-old, 7-year-old who want to be a dean, a Joe Polish, a Damon John, or they finally say to their mother and dad, I know what you do at work, and they ask them questions, and they don't no longer want to necessarily be an actor or a sports figure. Not that anything's wrong with that. When they want to be a shark more than they want to be anything else and they respect what their parents do, I realize why Mark Cuban does this. And then I realize why I should write this book because it's going to educate families. And when your child is 12, 13, 14 years old and you say, read this book because that's why I put a Steve Aoki, which is EDM, or Rob Durdak, all the way up to a Mark Burnett where it covers all ages and all type of uh, industries. When they do that and they end up seeing that the child is understanding it and it's no longer a pipe dream and they're going to go step by step by step towards this, uh, this word called success, that's why I do it. And that's why I think most of us do what we do. So I'm very happy for you guys to, to highlight my stuff. And I've learned a lot from you, Joe. I've actually taken, you know, it's, it's no secret. I've taken trips out to you to say, help me, teach me. And I'm constantly learning, and, and I tell everybody to put themselves in two to five words. Mine's are, I'm on a quest. I'm constantly learning. I will probably learn more from this book and this launch of this book than my readers will. But yeah. I'm just sitting there, and, and I'm exercising the power of rope. That is awesome. That's as always, Damon. Thank you. And and after you know, after we see a a few months of this, maybe we'll do a follow up episode. Uh, just and I'd love to have all of our listeners not only comment what you thought of this episode. Please share it. Uh, I'd love to have you share this with other people uh, that you think could benefit from hearing what Damon has to share. And uh, give us your comments. Uh, we will leave links at ilovemarketing.com. Uh, you can go to Power of Broke. 
dot com and you can see a video from Damon and you can look at uh, the different uh, ways that you can get the book if you want to buy additional books and get additional goodies and the name of the book is The Power of Broke How Empty Pockets, a Tight Budget and a Hunger for Success can become your greatest competitive advantage so I want to wish all of our listeners an amazing new year thank you so much Damon and we will talk to everyone on the next episode of I Love Marketing Thank you guys Thank you.